Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. I want to join with Todd, and we're just so glad that you're here today. Uh, we're launching our series called Transformed, and we're going to be in this series for the next seven weeks. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at seven key areas of your life. Uh, we're going to look at your spiritual life, your physical life. We're going to look at your mental and emotional health. We're going to look at relationships. We're going to look at money. We're going to look at your career. All of this because I believe that God wants to transform us into the people that uh, he wants us to be. And so let's get ready and let's dive in. But you know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the preacher that, that preached this message and then after service, he was down shaking hands with the folks. And one guy said, oh, pastor, I really enjoyed that sermon. And he was kind of embarrassed and uh, wanted to be humble. And he said, well, it was all God. He said, uh, well, I wouldn't have said it. it was, I don't say it's that good now. And he started backing up. And I, when I heard that, I remembered this story that happened here at the creek right over there a couple of uh, months ago. So I'm up here preaching, and there's this uh, first-time visitor, uh, a family, and probably had a kid, seven, eight years old or so, um, and he was really fidgety. And so, so much I'm, I'm watching it out of the corner of my eye. And then all of a sudden, everything was peaceful. He's as calm as, as can be. And I'm thinking like, what's up? And so I, after church, I was shaking hands and went, and talked, went to talk to him. And uh, I said, like, I noticed your son was a little fidgety, but all of a sudden he got peaceful. What, what did you say to him? She said, oh, she said, I, she said, if you keep talking, you're going to distract the preacher and he's going to lose his place and he's going to have to start this sermon all over again. <laughs> and immediately he settled down. So do you better watch out or I might have to start this sermon all over again. I still laugh at that one. You know, sometimes it's the little things that, that, that bring a smile to your face. But over the next several weeks, we're going to uh, dive into the concept of change. I believe that this series is, is about your potential. It's about your possibilities. I believe it's about your future and how that you can make the rest of your life truly the best of it. This series is built on one verse of scripture from Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And you're going to hear this every week to the point where I want you to memorize it and get it in your spirit. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Here's the point. The way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. So if you want to change something in your life, you don't start with your actions and you really don't start with your feelings, but you, change, you start with your thoughts. Transformation begins with how you think. So we're going to start off today by looking at our spiritual health and specifically on how close to God are you. You know, the further you are away from God, the more trouble you're going to have in your life. 
The farther you're away from God, I think the more stress that you're going to have, the more difficulties, the more trials. And the point is, getting farther away from God causes trouble. Getting farther away from God causes trouble. But getting closer to God causes transformation. And I realize that some of you here in this auditorium today, maybe some of you watching at home, you are as close to God as you have ever been. When you look at your life and you look at where you've come from and see where you are right now, you are as close to God as you've ever been. Now, there's another group of people here that that you have been close to God before, but you're kind of like just coasting. Everything is just kind of like coasting. And you know, I talked about that last week, that when we're coasting through a a semester or maybe we're coasting through a church service, to coast means that you're going slightly downhill. So be on guard on that. Now, some of you, maybe this is, you're new to the faith and somebody just invited you to the creek and you're trying to figure out this God and Jesus and Christmas and Easter and all of that. And this is just all brand new to you. I'm saying you're in a good place. And so I just want you to lean in and say, God, you can say it this way. God, if you're real, speak to me. And I believe if you come to this, approach God that way, you'll be surprised at how he will speak to you. Today I want to look at our spiritual lives and about how close to God are we. And we're going to focus on a very popular portion of Scripture. It's Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. And what we'll see in this is ways that we'll find our way back to God. We start reading with verse uh, chapter 15 and verses 11. But as you start to read, I want you to understand that Jesus is giving this story. He's speaking to a Jewish audience. And so you've got to hear the story within their viewpoint and what he's trying to communicate. So there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between the two of them. Now, when Jesus said the words uh, of that father, give that son, give me my share of the estate, when he said those words, everybody in that Jewish audience, everybody in that audience would lean in because they were shocked that a young son would ever ask his father those questions. To them, this is what they heard. That young son saying to his dad, Father, I wish that you were dead. And the sheer magnitude of a request like that would crush a father's heart. That young son was saying, I want the benefits of my dad's money, but I do not want a relationship with the father. That younger son wanted freedom. He wanted the opportunity to do what he wanted to do. And so he came thinking, you know, if I could just get out of this two-bit town, if I could get over uh, out of here, away from here, that I could live my own life, I could enjoy life, I could have a good time, everything would be right. And then when his dad heard his son talk like this, he knew that even though he was geographically in his house at this time, that son had already wandered away. That son had already drifted. And so that dad played along. I believe at this point that that dad had talked to him and tried to reason with him and said, come on, I want you to think through this. I don't want you to do this. Just trying to help him to reason. 
But he wanted it. He wanted what he wanted. And so this is what that dad did. That dad went to work and to give him what he asked for. And in those days, a younger son, if you had two sons, would receive one-third of the family's estate. An older son would receive two-thirds. And the reason the older son would receive two-thirds was simply because they would be responsible. The oldest child is responsible for taking care of the family um, and so forth. And so he's taking care of the family. And so that that younger son took that one-third of his income... And the Bible goes on to say that he, he squandered it in wild living. He had the time of his life. I think d- he probably had parties day and night, women on both arms. He had, he had the good life. He lived in the fast lane. Whatever he wanted, he just went out and he bought it with his father's money. But eventually, this money ran out. And it just so happens that when the money ran out, it coincided with a great recession that hit the land. And he found himself unemployed. We pick it up in verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went. He went out and hired himself uh, to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So here we see this young son. He is broke. He's penniless. He is homeless. He is starving. And he had to take a job feeding pigs, which for a Jewish boy was unthinkable because Jewish boys did not eat pork. Jewish families did not consider a pig to be uh, unclean. So here this young man, he is miserable. But out of his misery, that during this period of misery, he came to his senses. You know, it is interesting how God will often use miserable events, miserable times, problems and difficulties to bring us to our senses. God often uses pain in our lives to get us to move forward with him. This young man was in pain. This young man was miserable. He was desperate. And when you get desperate, you wake up and you realize, I need help. I need help. Verse 17, when, this, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and uh, against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. This guy was thinking about this. He was in this desperate situation. He was in a pig pen. What's it going to take for you to come to your senses? What kind of situation, what kind of desperate situation do you have to go through for you to wake up and come to your senses? This young man was in a place that he never dreamed that he would be. Maybe some of you are in that place. 
that you look at your life and you never dreamed that you would be in this place. I would imagine he's in that and he's retracing his steps saying, how, how did this happen? How did I get here? And he's, he's replaying those conversations. He's replaying those steps. So many times we get in problem situations like that and instead of trying to replay the steps and figure it all out, we just turn and we just blame somebody else. We said, it's your fault that I'm here. It's the government's fault. Yes, it is those Republicans. That's the reason that I am in this miserable place. No, it's the Democrats. That's why I'm in this miserable place. No, it's, it's, it's that teacher or it's that parent. And we like to turn to other people and blame them for the problems that we have. Today is a good day to stop the blame game. Today's a good day to stop passing the buck. Today's a good day to take responsibility for your life. It's a day to own it, to admit it. And to understand that even though you have drifted away, you have not drifted too far away from the Lord. I believe the real message of this story is simply this. Jesus wants you to come home. That's the real message. If you could sum this story up in just one line, it would be that Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you to come home. That's why he tells this story. We continue in verse 20. So the young man got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was heart was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Now, you've got to understand the backdrop here. The backdrop is simply this. The farmers in those days lived in clusters. They lived in a community. Yes, they may have fields out that they would go out to the fields and work, but they would live in cluster homes. So when that young man is going back to his father, he would not only have to face his father, but he would have to face the community. And that father, when he saw his son out in the distance, he recognized him. And he ran out with a heart filled with compassion because he wanted to spare his son from the scorn of the community. And to run out, the very fact that, think about it, here's an elderly man, he is wearing a robe. For this man to run, he had to pick up the robe and he had to run. It was undignified for a man, an elderly man, to run Specifically because when he picked up the robe, his robe, he would show his bare legs. And so for that father to pick up his robe and run, he was saying, I don't care about being dignified at this point. I don't care about the scorn of my neighbors. There's my lost son and I have compassion and I am running out after him. Now, when he got there, he put his arms around him, and the Bible said he kissed him. Now, this was a sign of acceptance. I accept you. It's interesting to me that the father accepted him even before his son changed. 
You know, so many times we think that we need to do something to make God love us. God loves you as you are. And I don't know what you think about God, but I want you to know that God is not here to punish you. God is not mad at you. That God simply loves you and he wants you to come home. And I don't know where you are spiritually, but I do know that you're here in church and that tells me that you have some kind of a desire to be closer to God. And I believe that every one of us can get closer to God by doing these three things. And these three things really become the pathway of spiritual transformation. And so I want to make these three things personal, so I'm going to use the word I. So here's the first one. I must get so frustrated with my life that I am willing to change. I call this getting fed up. That you come to the place where you say, I am fed up. I am fed up with my life. I am fed up with my circumstances. I am so frustrated with the the way that I'm living that I am ready to do whatever it takes to change. And I don't know what that is for you personally. I don't know really what causes you frustration and causes you to be fed up. It could be your stress level. It could be that you're lonely or maybe you're depressed or you're overworked or whatever. But you come to the place where you are so frustrated with this that you're willing to do something different. Here's the point. Nothing is going to happen in your life until, first of all, you get dissatisfied with where you are. Nothing's going to happen in your life until you get so dissatisfied that you get frustrated with where you are. In today's story, this son wasted it all. He had nothing left. And at that point, in that pig pen, he was desperate and he was hungry. And that's when he came to his senses. And that's where his transformation started. It started, his transformation started when he was so desperate for change and when he was hungry for something better. I want you to know that God loves you right where you are. But God loves you too much to let you stay that way. God loves you right where you are, but God loves you too much for you to stay where you are. And God comes to our lives, and he knocks on our door, and he calls us closer to him. But too many times, God is is knocking, and we ignore the knock on the door. And then he comes back, and he knocks again, and we ignore that knock. And then he knocks again, and we ignore that knock. And then finally, he just blows the door down. Because he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get my attention. And you may have had a door blown down before. Maybe it was in the form of a a lost job or a lost career. Or maybe it's a lost relationship. Something happened, just came in, and everything changed. And you know you're suffering from this deep loss and this deep uh, wound in your heart. And you're looking for answers. You're looking for something to, some way to feel this pain in your heart and your soul. And you're on this quest. 
for looking for that thing that you lost. Maybe you lost a relationship and now you're going from person to person to person trying to find somebody to fill that void. And I would say to you, stop looking for the thing that you've lost, but start looking for God. Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, You will seek me and you will find me when what? You seek me with all of your heart. God is saying, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. When you get serious about finding me, when you get fed up with the way you're living, he will be there waiting on you. I said there's three things. Here's number two. The first one is I must get frustrated with my life that I'm willing to change. Number two says I must get honest and own up to my mistakes. You got to own up. First of all, you get fed up. Secondly, you got to own up. You got to own up to your mistakes. I've got to own up to my sins. That's what this young man in Jesus' story did. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 17, it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here, I'm starving to death. I'll set out and I'll go back. I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. When he came to his senses... What do we see happen here? When he came to his sentences, he admitted his mistakes. He admitted his sins. Nothing is going to happen until you get to step two. Step two is when you own up. Step two is when you say, I need to face the fact that I'm not, I haven't been living like God wants me to live. You've got to face the fact that you've made mistakes and you own up. You have to own up to your sin. Why is that important? Because your sin is becoming like a barrier that is keeping you from God. This is the message of Isaiah chapter 59 when it says, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away. God has turned away and what will not listen anymore. I want you to understand this. Your sin, my sin, sin becomes a barrier. And so God is not going to listen to our prayers unless we pray the prayer of, of forgiveness. When we pray a prayer of forgiveness and our sins are washed away, then that opens up the communication with God. That opens up God where he listens and hears our prayers. But too many times... We just allow our sins to stack up. And each time it just becomes a greater barrier that pushes us further and further away from God. Our sins separated us from God. It's time to own up. We can't blame other people. We have to take responsibility for our own actions and realize that you are as close to God as you choose to be. That I am as close to God as I choose to be. Own up to your mistakes. Here's the third thing. I must surrender and I must offer my life to God. I must surrender and I must offer my life to God. Now, let's go back to the story. Verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was a long way, his father saw him, was filled with compassion, 
he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I think what we see here is God's not going to meet you halfway, but, but he ran out. God is running towards you. God is seeking for you to have a relationship with him. I believe that God has been working behind the scenes in your life even this week. That God has been ordering your footsteps to have conversations, random, you think, conversations about things that are close to your heart. God is working behind the scenes in your life to close doors that you're not to walk through and open doors that you're, you are to walk through. God has been working behind the scenes to, uh, for some of you because you are here in church today because you randomly ran into a friend um, that you haven't seen in a long time and that friend simply said these words, Hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? And you responded to that. Hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? And you're here today. God is working behind the scenes for you to be here. I believe that not only that, that God is going to use you this week. Because he is working behind the scenes in other people. And maybe you'll be the one that you'll say to your friend that you hadn't seen in a long time, Hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? God is working behind the scenes because he's waiting for the moment to connect with you. This, this father was waiting for the moment for his son to come home. When his son, uh, when he threw his arms around him, kissed him, we pick it up in the next verse. He said, but the father said to his servants, quick, I need you to go get the best robe. I need you to put it on him. I need you to put the ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. He's saying... My son, I want you to restore him to the family. The best robe, put a ring. That, that is a family ring they're talking about that signifies that he is now a, back a part of the family. Put the sandals. Bring the fatted calf. Kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive. He was lost. And now he's found. So they began to celebrate. I think this speaks to so many. Maybe it speaks to the individuals that have had a, a vibrant faith at one point, but for whatever reason you've turned and you've gone away from the faith. You've pushed God out of your life. You've pushed uh, important people out of your life. And what we see here is that you don't have to stay out there. That you can come home. You don't have to stay in that distant land. You don't have to stay in that pig pen. You don't have to stay in that desperate and hungry situation where you can come home. That father said, bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the sandals. My son was lost, but now he's found. That father wasn't mad. That father didn't have a, a grudge. God doesn't. Hold a grudge against, all the, against you for all the dumb things that you've done in your life. And Father said, it's time to celebrate. 
And Jesus told this story to a Jewish audience. That makes me think of a story from our church, a story of Mark who said, yes, he's Jewish. And once you hear his story, you'll know that he was, had everything that society says that you need to have to be happy, but there was something missing in his life. Listen to Mark's story today. I grew up in a Jewish home. I sort of figured, well, you know, religion works for some people. It doesn't seem to have a role in my life. And I, I guess I bought into the American dream. I'll become a doctor and I'll be happy ever after. Um, pretty naive now, but it sounded good back then. And all along, I wasn't particularly happy. We moved here to Augusta in 2002. Those were kind of the lost years. I did very well by all measures of success. I was well respected by my peers. My patients loved me. But, but over the years, as I felt this emptiness inside, I turned more and more to alcohol to ease the pain and fill up the emptiness. And, um, and it worked to a large degree. If you would have asked me during those years if I was a good husband, a good father, I would have said yes. And, uh, but I subsequently learned I wasn't so hot. I was very depressed. I was miserable. I was, uh, I was just at the bottom. And, um, and that night, Whitney came downstairs after dinner and, and had another one of those talking to sessions with me. And I woke up the next morning and I realized in a moment of clarity why I was so angry at her, because she was right. Um, and thankfully, in that moment of clarity, I got myself to an AA meeting uh, a few days later. A relationship with a power greater than yourself is a big part of the program. And, uh, you know, I had never really had a relationship with God, and I was trying to, to get closer to one. So... Our idea was that we were going to do some comparison shopping, like for anything else, and we would go to a couple of churches and see which one we liked. So one day, we walked into Stevens Creek Church. There were all these happy people out there welcoming us. Very early, I just started crying, just sobbing. Um, and I sobbed all throughout that first service, and I, and I think I sobbed through many, many services that I was so moved emotionally, and I, I, I didn't know how else to express it. I mean, there was something in there. So part of it was awe, part of it was, was grieving. Um, a lot of my life, I was really unhappy, and I think I, it was a safe space to let out grief. And I think the third biggest part is gratitude. I finally found what I was looking for all my life. I was looking at all the wrong places. All I have felt is open arms, support, friendship, welcome. Uh, so I went to the Next Step class, uh, made some 
great relationships, <laughs> got baptized. I was spiritually dead all those years. And now, now I'm, I'm alive, man. If you've, if you've stumbled here to Stevens Creek, however you've stumbled here, you're lucky. You know, stick around till the magic happens. Mark said in that story that he came in this church and he felt something, but he didn't know what he felt. We get that a lot. Because people walk in these doors and they hear the music and they think, oh, it's just a talent level and we have great talent. Or they hear they're speaking. But what they don't know at that point, it's the power of the Holy Spirit working in the room. It's the power of God's presence. And what we're longing for is we're longing to fill this void in our lives. You see, each one of us, and we've been created with a void. And that void can only be filled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And until that happens in your life, you're going to constantly be looking for that next thing. This next car will make me happier. This next job will make me happier. This next house, this next, next experience. And we're always looking for that thing to fill the void. That void in your life is never going to be filled with stuff. Because your stuff is going to wear out. All the stuff that you treasure is going to be in a landfill one day. And you think your kids want it and your grandkids want it, but they don't. Because it's stuff. I'll tell you, what really matters is that when we have Jesus in our lives, that he gives us a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning. And I realize there are some of you, you've pushed Jesus so far away that you, you've just looked at that and said, oh, that's religion and all that. I just don't need that. But you may not need religion, but you do need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today is your day. Today is your day. God has ordered your footsteps to be in this room or watching online at this particular time because he is calling you home. That you have wandered and wandered far too long. You've pushed him away. But God is calling you today to take that step, to own up, to admit that you need help. And then to give your life over to him and to offer your life. And if you will do this, I promise you, your life will be different. It'll change. Just like you heard Mark's story. He had everything that this culture says that you need. Resources, education, notoriety. But yet, he lacked the very thing that he needed most. And that was a relationship with Jesus Christ. In the next few minutes, I want to pray for you. I believe that the Heavenly Father is here. And He's ordered your footsteps to be here. And He is issuing a call to you.
a call to you to come home. The question is, will you receive that and will you take that next step? I want to pray for you, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. So let's bow our heads, and how about this? Nobody looking around. Let's just have a conversation between me and you first. How many of you today in this room would say, Marty, you're talking to me. I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me see your hands across this room. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. You want to come home? You want to come home? Today's your day. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. 8, 10, 12. Yes. You can put your hands down now. I want to come home. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this church. I pray for those watching online. I pray that this would be the moment that they would turn to you. That they would come running back to you. Father, I pray that as, uh, Lord, we uh, sit here in this room, I pray that the miracle of grace would be released. So if you'd like to be saved, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Say that. Say, come into my heart. Say this. Say, forgive me of my sins. And I want you to pray this. Say, make me into the kind of person you'd have me to be. I give you my life. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, fill me with your presence. Save me today. God, as they pray those prayers, I ask that you would do as only you can do, that you would move. Now, Father, I also pray for the group of folks that they have been through this before. And for whatever reason, they have pushed away. For whatever reason, they have backslidden. And God, they're saying today that, yes, I want to make things right. I want to come back home. And I pray, God, that you would start to restore people and restore hearts and restore them today. God, move in this place. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And we receive this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. To those of you that received grace and received faith today, I want to say welcome to the family of God. Amen. Welcome to the family. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.